Am I being heard? Hello, it's great to see you. Hi, my name is Marco. Uh, I'm, the, I'm one of the pastors here at Mission. Uh, not here at Mission, but at the other one. Uh, I'm the junior high pastor. Uh, I promise you I'm old enough to do that. Um, I'm 24, thanks for asking. Um, hey, it's an honor to be here. I'm so excited to be here in Morris. I pray for you regularly. I'm so excited that this campus is doing well. I pray for it often. Uh, I was a part of a small church plant in college, and I loved it. We met in a school very similar to this. I just feel at home here. I feel comfy here, so I hope everything is going uh, well. Uh, Today, I would like to teach you something about me. Uh, I'd like to teach you a little bit more about me. If there's one thing I think that's appropriate for you to know about me, uh, it's that I'm a challenger. Have, have you heard about this Enneagram test or these personality tests? Well, I hate them. I, I'm the type of guy who is like, as soon as somebody brings up one of these personality tests, I'm rolling my eyes. Oh, here we go. People are going to identify themselves in a specific way. I hate this. And, uh, and it's so funny. Uh, on the Enneagram, there's one of those, like one of the personality types is called the challenger. Guess which one I am? Uh, I even end up in the category of challenger, someone who hates personality tests. The personality test is like, yeah, this guy hates us. Okay, that's me. I'm a challenger. I love to see situations and challenge them. I want to push the boundaries. I want to push buttons. I feel terrible for the people who are in charge of me because I just always want to push buttons. I always want to push the boundaries. I always want to fight the system. I love bands like Rage Against the Machine or movies like Fight Club because they just, death to the whole system, right? And I love that. I have like this natural inclination to just like want to do that. Do you know one of the things that I just cannot stand as a challenger? One of the things that just comes at me as as somebody, I want to challenge, I want to fight, I want to push back. I don't want to be a part of this system. I don't want to join up. On, I, I don't want to be thrown into this adulthood life without my consent. One of the things that holds me so difficultly, one of the things that just is so frustrating for me to handle is money. Money. I hate the establishment of money. I think it ruins our lives. I think it's a terrible, terrible thing. Money is just something that we just, like, just controls our lives. Think about it. Just think about it for a second. If we could live in a world without it. If I could just, oh, I'm hungry, you've got food, you just give me food, I don't need to pay you for it. See, that's just like a perfect, ideal situation. Like, oh, of course, that's perfect. But it's never going to work. We absolutely need money. Money determines how much I have versus how much you have, and it allows me to buy the things I want to buy versus just being given specific things. And of course, that provides a great service to us. It provides, money is important. Our our, our societies are built on money. But because of how important it is, it becomes so important in our lives, in our personal lives. It begins to take over. It begins to I would use the word ruin. It begins to ruin our lives. The Bible's very clear about how it feels about money. Actually, in your Bibles, you're going to find loads, uh, just tons and tons of information about what we're supposed to do with our money and what we're supposed to do with our possessions. 
Actually, close to 15% of anything Jesus said, some of those Bibles have the red letters. Have you seen these? The red letter Bibles are anything Jesus said. Those red letters, 15% of them, talk about money and possessions. Jesus really, really cared about it. It was really important for him that we've got a good handle on this. And when I look at something like money, I just see the evil it creates. I mean, I look at the world around me. I look at the poverty situation in our world, in our country. That's created because I don't have money, right? I, I, I look around at uh, my personal life, right? Uh, about a year ago, we had a family member pass away, and now there's a lump sum of cash, and the will wasn't determined, and, and maybe you know these types of situations. And it's just crazy to see what even family will do to just get a little piece of the pie, right? And just the things that money, the people will do to accomplish and gain, and I just must have more and more and more. In my mind, it's just like, ah, abandon, forget about it, run away from it. I, I don't want anything to do with it. And, and I think that that's a, crazy, like, that's a crazy thought to have about it, because then the other side of the spectrum is, no, 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 money is so important, and I need it. I must have it. It's important, I have to save it, I want to be a good steward, I want to protect the things that God has given me, of course. So money creates these like crazy situations in our lives, it creates crazy thoughts in our heads about what we're supposed to do with it. And me, I just want to run, I want to fight back. I hate what it does to us, I hate what it does to me. Something about when I obtained more money. When I first got this job and I was receiving a salary, I was like, oh yeah, baby. Steady income, a big fat paycheck, beautiful. I noticed what it did to me, man. I, like, I started to like, I was more tight-fisted about it. It was more difficult for me to give it out the more I was getting. I hated that. And so I'm here this morning to challenge your beliefs on money here to push back. I'm here to destroy, I like those words, like destroy, kill, murder. I use them with my students all the time, they love it. I like these words, God uses these words because it's important for us to see that the way that we feel about money, the way that we fall into, I should say, feeling about money is often wrong. And, and we're gonna see something that we've taken, money. We've taken money and we've turned it into this I would say evil thing. We use it to hold things over people's heads or withhold things from people or, or, or we, we fight for it at, at, at any opportunity. I just want to receive and get and get and get. Like I think we've, we've taken money and we've turned it into an evil thing. But then it's so interesting for me to see how God and how Jesus takes something so evil, takes something that we use so negatively and he turns it in to an opportunity to be praised. Uh, one of my favorite things, one of my favorite quotes I've ever heard about God is that he'll always do whatever brings him the most glory. God just wants to be praised. And we're gonna see today that he gives you a beautiful opportunity to turn this terrible money thing into an opportunity for God to be praised. So we're gonna be in 2 Corinthians this morning, we're going to be in chapter 9. If you have your Bibles, I would love it if you turn there. If you don't, you have your phone or something, that's cool too. Uh, 2 Corinthians chapter 9, and we're going to be starting in 6, uh, and we're going to read for a little bit. I'm going to ask you to stand 
uh, as I read this this morning. The chairs, the standing up thing is cool. Okay. Uh, starting in verse 6, uh, Paul writes this to his friends in Corinth. He says, Remember this. Whoever sows sparingly will also reap sparingly. And whoever sows generously will also reap generously. Each man should give what he has decided in his heart to give, not reluctantly or under compulsion, for God loves a cheerful giver. And God is able to make all grace abound to you, so that in all things and at all times, having all that you need, you will abound in every good work. As it is written, he has scattered their gifts to the poor, their righteousness endures forever. Now he who supplies seed to the sower and bread for food will also supply and increase your store of seed and enlarge the harvest of your righteousness. You will be made rich in every way so that you can be generous on every occasion. And through us, your generosity will result in thanksgiving to God. This is the word of the Lord. You guys can have a seat. So we have been doing this series called Shaped, where we're talking about verses that have shaped us uh, as individual people. Perfect. Uh, you can head back to that first slide, homie. Uh, we're talking about verses that have shaped us as people. And Errol had this idea of like picking verses and memorizing them and dedicating our church and moving the church to uh, memorizing verses. And I was crabby. Remember, I'm a challenger. I want to fight that. Boring. Boo. It's, a, it's actually very classic. Errol's like... Very outgoing, excited, happy, you know, sunny day kind of a guy. And I'm like a dreary, cloudy day type of a person. I'm like, boss, I'm bad at memorizing. I'm bad at it. And I don't want to show up to church and get the whole guilt situation every week where I'm like, dude, I'm bad at memorizing. And, and there's another verse. I still didn't even get the one from two weeks ago. But if we're being honest, man, this has just been a great series for me personally. Just seeing these foundational verses, the verses that I guess I had memorized but had never put into practice of like actually memorizing. And uh, Errol actually gave a great talk uh, last night in 1 Corinthians where he's talking about temptation. And it's going to be so applicable uh, in this passage this morning too. He says that memorization, you know, working to memorize is a great tool that we have to fight against the enemy. And, and as we're talking about money today, you're going to feel the enemy working hard at you. He's going to make sure that you're going to be tight fist. The enemy is going to work to hold you back from whatever generosity God is calling you to do. And you may feel that today. So as we memorize or as we commit to memorizing this verse today, I think it's important to remember that it's a valuable tool in the fight against the enemy. Now this series has been awesome. It's been great to see uh, different people talking about different verses. And I didn't want to do a a verse in this uh, series. I wanted to take the summer off. Take it easy. And then I saw 2 Corinthians on there. 2 Corinthians 9, 6. This is a passage that is just very special to me. I, I love this, this, this beginning verse uh, that Paul starts. Uh, he says, remember this. Whoever sows sparingly will also reap sparingly. And whoever sows generously will, will reap generously. This is like one of those no-brainer softball pitch kind of ideas from Paul. Like I, I grew up, my, my grandfather was a farmer. Like, this makes sense. This is like a no-brainer, duh, kind of a situation. If I throw a lot of seed into a large field, I'm going to receive a large quantity. But if I only throw a little, then I'm going to just 
get a little, duh. Paul just wants to set the foundation for his logical argument. Whoever sows sparingly, that's what you're going to get. And whoever sows generously, he's going to receive generously. Now, as we head into the next verse, which starts with the word each, each of you should give, each of you should give. That is the only imperative in the whole section that we're going to be reading. I'm like a grammar, English, language arts kind of a guy, and that is the only imperative. It's the only time in this entire section that Paul is going to tell you to do something. And the only thing he tells you to do is to give what you believe you should give, a proportionate amount, an amount that makes sense for you. I'm reminded of a story that Jesus tells when he's walking around. Uh, He tells a story of of these Pharisees, these rich uh, religious people who go and they give a bunch of money and they make a big scene of it. Everyone, look how amazing we are. We're giving a big bag of money and they like throw their big bag and some of the coins fell. They just want to put on a show. Look at how amazing we are. And then an old little woman, poor, so sweet, comes over and gives her two little pennies. And Jesus says, man, what she gave is more important to the kingdom of God than what they gave because it's all about what they have. It's all about that proportionate amount. Each of you should give according to what you have. You should give according to what your heart thinks is the right amount. This seems like a no-brainer again. If we're talking about an economic plan, this in your mind is like, okay, yeah, that makes sense. If I make a lot of money, I can give a lot of money. And if I don't have a bunch, then I'm not going to give a bunch. Duh. I I love these from Paul. As a pastor, easy. Got it. Check. But as we head into this next section, not reluctantly or under compulsion, for God loves a cheerful giver, that's where my mind perks up. Because there's two ways I think you could handle this verse. I think there's two ways that you could push back. I think there's two ways that you could say, "Mm -mm, I'm not going to do it, Paul. Number one, what if I say, I don't want to give? I don't have this desire to give. Generosity isn't a part of my wheelhouse. I'm not great at it. So Paul's giving me an out here. I'm reluctant, so I'm not going to give. Right, and of course, that's not what Paul is asking us to do. That's not the direction Paul is pushing us. Well, I, I, could, I could take this the other way, and I could say, well, I have no reluctance, so I'm just going to give and give and give, and then I just ruin my own personal life because I'm just way too generous. Each of you should give according to what you have. And for God loves a cheerful giver. I think uh, as I'm looking at this this handout, I'm looking at how long this verse is. And if I'm going to try to memorize this this week, it's going to be tough for me. I like to hang on to little key verses or key phrases. And the key phrase that I've been hanging on to in this passage is that bottom one. For God loves a cheerful giver. A cheerful giver. And being a cheerful giver is something that I think is really confusing. Maybe something that's a little frustrating. How can I be the type of person who gives cheerfully? What does that look like? How can I give my money? Something that I've worked hard to obtain. Something that is mine. Have you ever felt that inclination to not give? Maybe you're writing that check that you write every week or every month. You tithe or you give to an organization or whatever. And you just feel this like, ah, maybe I shouldn't this week. Maybe I should cut back. 
Like, gas prices are up, man. Like, groceries, like, I, you know what I mean? Like, it's going to be, I don't know, maybe I should, maybe I should hold on. Maybe I, and I look at the verse like this, for God loves a cheerful giver, and I just feel guilty because I am not a cheerful giver. It's difficult. I, I feel this inclination to hold back. I don't want to give it up. How can we look at something like our money? How can we look at generosity? How can we look at giving from a cheerful perspective? I think it's important to remind us on what it results in. What does it lead to? If God loves a cheerful giver, he's got to back it up. Actually, in this whole section, 2 Corinthians 9, 6 through 11, Paul only tells you to do one thing. Like I said, there's only one imperative. You should give according to what you have. Everything else, everything else in this entire passage is promises tied to that imperative. Literally everything else Paul says is a promise to you on what will happen if you give according to what you have. Let's, let, let, let's read. So here, here we have the, the imperative in, in a highlighted situation. Here it is. You should give what you have decided in your heart to give, not reluctantly or under compulsion, for God loves a cheerful giver. In, 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 in this, right away, Paul gives you two examples of how you can give at all. You can give sparingly. I'll, I'll give when it's necessary. I'll give when I believe the situation to be right. I'll give when this is, you know, just like in very particular situations, just to the things that I agree with, just to the people I agree with, I'll give sparingly. Easy, easy equation. If I put that in, what I'm gonna get out is little. And you know this, this isn't a, a groundbreaking truth to you. And the opposite is just as true. If I throw in a bunch and give a bunch and, and, and just send in a bunch and I just, whether it's my money or, or time or, or whatever, if I'm just giving and giving and giving, I'm gonna, I'm gonna pull back a lot. How do we know this to be true? Well, as we look at the next verse, the next slide, uh, let me get it. 